and welcome to Literature for Life. My name is Jess and I am your host. This is a podcast where I speak to someone awesome about a book that's had a great impact on their life, something that has stuck with them or shaped the way they live their lives. This podcast is part of the Femon Collective, a group of women having cool chats about the things that we love and care about. My guest today is a very dear friend and luckily enough for him, an awesome colleague. <laughs> she is the leader of our wonderful Femon Collective which makes her which makes her an excellent podcast producer. She is also an artist, a mother to a smart and sassy toddler, and a total film film buff. Look at me getting my words out. Ria Carrigan, welcome to Literature for Life. What an introduction. Thank you, Jess. Nobody can see I'm blushing, I'm not, because I deserve all of the praise. Thank you. All of the praise. Mm-hmm. I think I'm Take that imposter syndrome. <laughs> oh yes bye-bye imposter syndrome You're not nobody needs here. you anymore <laughs> you're gone <laughs> how are you today I'm all right thank you we were just discussing how we're both a little tired and this might turn into some sort of hysterical uh 45 minutes to an hour so let's just see how it goes I have some wine that tastes terrible so good luck to me and everyone else just labeled red wine <laughs> It's just, it's it's a replacement wine that somebody has chosen instead of white wine. Well done, the supermarket worker who chose this for me. And they chose one that's just labelled generic red wine. So that's how good it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. And what did you think it tasted like? Cigarettes. Cigarettes. <laughs> I'd like my red wine with a side of ash delicious ashtrays my favorite once once we actually got delivered an ashtray instead of a jug as a replacement what yeah Yeah. you know what i think if i don't make it in the podcasting industry i want to become a supermarket worker because it's a real good way to fuck with people (laughs) do you think that's what they were doing oh yeah it was probably like 3 a.m and they were like (laughs) you know what fuck this shit we don't have any jugs. What do we? Ashtray. <laughs> That'll do. They, they must have been like, they want a jug. They're clearly having a party and people smoke at parties. So, you know. Yes, because it's the 1950s <laughs> and everyone's smoking indoors. I mean, this was like 10 years ago. So, you know. Yeah. I think more people smoked then, to be fair. Okay. Yeah. Because they hadn't started putting like pictures of dying guts on the on the packets then. No, I think that came a bit later. Oh, perfect. <laughs> good this is still the intro (laughs) oh gosh okay so I've given our lovely listeners just a very quick glimpse into who you are but I think it would be quite nice if you could maybe introduce yourself so you said I'd do this and obviously I've listened to all of your other episodes and I didn't think to prepare for this at all so I feel very suddenly like oh I've got to talk about myself even though I really should have prepared for this again an (laughs) indication of how well this episode is going to go. Yay! <laughs> I mean, your introduction was so lovely. I don't know what else to say on top of it. Um, I guess I am an intersexual feminist. I am very passionate about equality um, across the board for everybody, constantly learning. Um, I am passionate about smashing the patriarchy the book that I want to talk about today very much focuses on what I think is making and oh god I can't think of the right word so what I'm what I'm trying to say is I am a parent parenting 
something that's really difficult. And the patriarchy has created wars between women about parenting, right? So it's all about breast versus bottle. It's cesarean birth versus vaginal birth, all of those sort of things. And this book doesn't necessarily have anything to do with those things, only it does because it's all interwoven. And this book is about a level playing field for parents, for anybody who's having a child or is thinking about having a child, has a grown-up child and wants to like repair relationships. So that's a thing I'm I'm really interested in talking about as well. Um, I am, as you said, a film geek, a television geek, I'm a gamer. Um, I'm, I'm pretty awesome. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And that's why you're here. I don't have rubbish guests. You you, you have had amazing guests so far. So I am honoured to be amongst them because... They are, they've all been eloquent people as well. As the producer of this show, I get to listen to all of those episodes, Aww. which you did question, which I was, thought was very rude. Um, <laughs> of course, oh, I do. They're and, just so good. And, yeah, just so amazing. and, you know, you've had like these wonderful, eloquent guests. So I've got a lot to live up to, but I won't actually. I'll just bring it, bring on my, my natural, rear chaotic style and we'll just go from there but if you want to come talk to me about anything anybody who's listening come talk to me about smashing the patriarchy parenthood gaming films tv succession obviously at the moment new season of taskmaster starts we could always talk about that i always want to talk about the last of us you know everything i'm up for chats come come and check me out on fem on film and obviously via's questions we do via's questions as well which is every episode you jess and the rest of the collective answer one of my random questions from the website rearquestions.com. I'm just rambling now. Don't worry. Maybe. I love a ramble. And also, Rio's questions, I always end up talking about eggs. Yes, you do. You so... do. I'm concerned a nickname is going to be coming out from you from one of yes. our egg episodes. And I was like, oh, I might edit it out. But Keep I can't Keep because, because if I get viral, it's like a big nickname, I'll still have made section. it. Yeah, I'll have made it in the podcast industry if that goes viral. So let's keep it in and see what happens. Let's make I spent it... I spent a ridiculous amount of time going, can I cut it out? <laughs> and it sounds normal and the podcast sounds natural and normal and I can't. So it's gonna have to stay in. Oh, it's well, <laughs> it might well yeah you know so I've, i think i've only had three nicknames and this is a real ramble but um, our listeners will love it uh, i've only had three nicknames in my life the first was blanche because that's my middle name the second was milky J because my partner um <laughs> my partner is of mexican descent and i am very white i'm like translucent white so he calls me milky J. and the third you'll find out when you listen to ria's questions the um easter episode yeah. I think it's after the Easter episode. So they've got a lot of egg content coming up. Oh, Oh, good. Right, let's crack. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, deep breath. Take another gulp of that red wine. Am I allowed to call you Milky J? Yes, absolutely. Because it's true. (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay, so you gave gave a real little um, teaser (laughs) of the book. So um, I think it's so uh, please, can you tell us what what piece of literature you have chosen to speak about today? Yes. So I would like to talk about the book you wish your parents had read by Philippa Perry. So if you've heard of it, fantastic. If you haven't, come on a journey with me. Um, 
I don't know what journey we're going on. It might be quite short. <laughs> um, <laughs> Philippa Perry is, I, I think, a fairly well-known name. She's a psychotherapist. She is an agony aunt, and she's also a writer. And the book you wish your parents had read focuses on parenting, raising children, but it also, for me, is so much more than that. It's when you have a baby, or you're about to have a baby, or thinking you're having a baby there's like a million books out there for you to read there's the factual ones which will tell you all about the different stages that you're going to have like this time it'll be a size of like a tangerine and stuff like that and then there's the ones that are about different parenting styles so you have ones that about like respectful parenting attachment parenting um and there's all these different things like cry out and all these different things when you have when you have a baby and it's all completely overwhelming and you'll read one um, you'll buy them all, you'll read one, and you'll just have all this conflicting advice. Some of them are fantastic, some of them aren't. But overall, I think that there is no right way to parent. Everybody's different. Everybody's situation is unique. Every family is made up in a different way. And you just do what you can to survive in parenting. But what this book does, which it is essentially a parenting book, is it helped for me, it helps you break down how you might want to parent. So it's very non-judgmental, but it provides it it she does provide quite a lot of advice on like ways to parent. But if you don't, if you're not interested in that, you can still read it and you can think about the way you were raised, how that's affected you as an adult, how when you were a kid, you wanted grown-ups to talk to you, how you wanted to be listened. And it can help you examine the way that you react to situations now as an adult. So suddenly I've had a lot of therapy in my life. Uh, as you all know, Jess, I've struggled with various mental health issues, um, both before I was pregnant, when I was pregnant, and then after I was pregnant, I had postnatal depression. Whilst I was pregnant, I had like quite severe anxiety um and this book for me has built on all of that help that I've had on all of that therapy that I've had it's reinforced some of the things that I've learned it's helped me learn something new it's something that just can really help you for me it helps me take a step back from parenting it helps me take a step back helps me look at what my child is doing that could trigger me what I am doing that could trigger my child or even my relationship with my husband and with the caregivers around me you know I'm very lucky Uh, we live with my in-laws and they are fantastic and they help us quite often with our daughter so it's also about like having conversations with them about the way we want her to be treated we want them to talk to her and things like that and now this book in some ways does tell you how to do that but it also doesn't it asks you to think about things and about what you would want to do and that's why it's so special to me I feel like I've done a really terrible description of this book if for some reason I'm trying to not do spoilers even though it's like not a fiction book I don't know why I'm like guys go and read it (laughs) I don't want to do any with so many twists don't worry for the last couple of uh, episodes that I have recorded but not edited or sent to you or released um there have just been spoilers everywhere (laughs) so uh I've just kind of thrown that one out the window but 
let's not yeah let's not worry about that this I was actually so pumped when I realized that this was a book about parenting because one of the things that I love to listen to you talk about is being a parent because um uh I I've before I met you I'd had a few friends that had had children but um I hadn't I, I hadn't had access, I'd never had access to that kind of, um, like me and you talk almost every day and you've always been so honest with me about what it's like to actually parent. And I think, I think sometimes um, mums especially, this is what I'm picking up from other people that I know, it can be very easy to be a bit like, everything's fine yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's all good and you know and, and when you're not talking to someone every day it's even less likely that they you know if you just say oh how are you that they're going to be like you know I'm actually having a really hard time this is really hard no one told me what to do and like now I'm you know so um I always love listening to you talk about parenting because you do it in a very honest way um we, we often have a good giggle about it and it gives me a real honest insight into actually if I decided to be a parent one day like just some of the things that a I might come up with I might come up against and b I might have to think about so I was very excited when I was like yes we're gonna get into this yay Um, (laughs) I'm saying thinking about things is really important and again that's why I love this book because so my daughter was born in 2018 and this book came out in 2019 and I bought it straight away because I love Philippa Perry and I was also you know like I'd been through postnatal depression I'd come out the other end and I wanted to read something that wasn't necessarily about parenting but was like not telling you what to do but felt I wasn't able to go back to therapy at that time so I wanted something that could sort of make me think about things think about how I wanted to parent because where I'd had my postnatal depression, some of it had gone a little bit off track of what I wanted. Um, and I was also going through another a rough time because I'd been made redundant whilst on maternity leave. Yes, I'm aware that's illegal. It's the whole thing. Um, whilst having postnatal depression. So trying to find a new job and trying to get back into the workplace and trying to assess, not assess that, but trying to find the right... Um, balance of that with raising my child and you know like what did I want to do I knew I wanted to go back to work but that meant putting her in a childcare setting was that childcare setting going to reflect the same values the way same way that I wanted to talk to her and we've been incredibly lucky with our childcare setting by the way uh, nurseries are amazing please support nurseries and nurseries workers they're completely underpaid they're the most wonderful people um all they want to do is look after your kids and enrich their lives it's like the most fantastic thing our current government is completely dismantling that and it's atrocious you know being able to put your child whatever you want to do parenting by the way I think if you want to be a stay-at-home parent freaking awesome go for it if you want to go back to the workplace go for it if you want your grandparents your aunties your best friend your uncles whatever to look after your kids go for it all of it is absolutely correct whatever is right for you that's what you do please don't let anybody else judge you if they're going to judge you send them to me and I'll give them a kick in <laughs> yes. but, like, but you know like childcare settings for us felt like an absolute privilege that we could choose nice nurseries that reflected our values that could help 
enrich our child's life and like we're incredibly privileged to be able to have that and be able to pick and choose out wonderful nurseries and things like that so this really helped me put those thoughts together think about where we wanted to go how we wanted to speak to them about how they interacted with her how they effectively raised her like childcare settings do that you know they're almost like a co-parent really and also but it also helped me with the guilt around that of Mm. you know this book doesn't judge it's very non-judgmental now don't get me wrong one of the things I love about Philippa Perry is she is extremely knowledgeable and she does her research she's very very passionate about the things that she talks about so she will say based on research and this sort of thing this is a great thing to do and this will help your communication with your child this will help your relationship with your child but I also know this isn't possible and I also know you may have made a mistake in the past I've made a mistake in the past and that's okay this is how we can all work together to repair those mistakes and that's so wonderful to read because so many parenting books are just telling you off and telling you ways to raise your kids and you don't realize because you get so into it because mm. you're like I want I want to raise the best child ever, so you get so into it. And Philippa yeah. Perry says that's actually the worst thing to do. It's not about raising the best child ever. You, she's this. It's amazing thing. I have written it down, but poorly because um, <laughs> I was doing it very, very quickly whilst uh, talking about this. But she talks about how you can't have happiness and joy without having sadness so people can't be happy all the time that's not healthy it's okay and you need to be sad angry and anxious and all of these sort of things yes doesn't she say emotional intelligence like that's what it means to be emotionally intelligent yeah yeah Yeah. and without all of those things you can't you can't feel happiness and happiness has no meaning and like that's really you know like we know that right but having it written down on the page or or, you know like a therapist once told me that you need to be reminded of that yeah because when you're like in it I mean this I'm not talking from experience (laughs) but I'm I'm talking as someone who watch who what who now is watching a lot of my friends sort of grapple with the the constant am I a good enough mom am I being the answer is yes by the way you're always a good enough parent (laughs) Exactly. But I can, I watch them constantly, like constantly grapple Mm -hmm. with it. And I can sit there and be like, you're doing really well as someone who's never had a baby, but knows that because they are who they are, like they will just be doing the best that they can. But that emotional intelligence point, I think can resonate with a lot of people. I just think it's so, it's so important. And it's also okay to not be fine. Like she provides case studies throughout the book of people who are not fine, who are struggling with things. You know, like there's a dad who's who doesn't feel connected to their child at all and will be on his phone, will be like, oh, I'm just going to pop to the shops rather than interact with their child. And to admit that, can you like having to admit that I think is really brave and really strong, but also shows how bad he is in an you know, emotionally in what place he is in. And it's because that's how he, you know, his dad was with him. His dad didn't engage with him. And so he's obviously, you know, like it's, a, I guess, a client of, of Philippa Perry's. And 
talk to her about that. And then they've worked on how to repair that. So it's okay that he's not been the perfect parent because they'll talk about, and, and it's so accepting in that way. And it, and that's really wonderful to read and to hear other people's experiences, even if they're not your own, just mm-hmm. to know that we all we all do stuff wrong and it's okay. Yeah. So it's it's obviously a book that covers a lot of big topics. Like like um I I wonder how how accessible you find those to be. Because what I find when I'm reading something that I know is trying to teach me something or give me guidance through something. Um, I think it's easy to uh, disengage with it, you know, when something is throwing a lot at you. Um, but But I wonder how, like how easily it was for you to actually engage with it. Like, because I talked about this when I had a chat with Ada, like I actually really value when a, when something is really accessible, um, but even more so when it's a book like this. Well, Jess, it's almost as if we set up this com- this conversation, this question, but we didn't, which is fantastic. And we did not. <laughs> this is exactly what one of my notes is about. This book is hugely accessible. Um, it is clearly written by somebody who knows what it's like when either you're pregnant or you have a baby because you don't have a lot of time to sit and read books. <laughs> like It's just not possible. But also Philippa Perry has this wonderful direct but down-to-earth style. She doesn't use big words. She's not trying to impress anybody. She's not trying to make, she's not trying to belittle you or make you feel stupid or anything like that. It's very much like, this is a situation, this is a way you can parent, this is a short chapter with an exercise that you can do if you want to. And I love that. Like I'm sure, I, I may be misremembering, but I'm sure at the beginning she's like, ah, if you don't want to do them, don't do them. But, you know, <laughs> it's very, although I'm sure she would prefer that we did. Um, and I probably just made that because in my head I was like, oh, I'm not doing that exercise. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it's very accessible. It's very, you can sit and read a chapter in and get to the exercise in 10 minutes, you know? It's Mm. short, it isn't doing lots of theory at you. It's not, It's not. you know, sometimes if you've been to therapy, you know that you'll go and sit down and the therapist will ask you to think about all these complex ideas and and you can feel quite under pressure to come up with something and explore those, those feelings and those thoughts. And it will like run over a couple of sessions and you'll go home and you'll do your homework and stuff like that. This doesn't do that. It's like, it's very supportive in the fact there's nothing there to purposefully bamboozle you. You could pick this up if like, if you have a newborn and just read a chapter, you could do like a chapter a day, a chapter a week. You will not feel overwhelmed. You will not feel like you've got to go and Google what half the words are. You don't feel like you have to, unless you're me, um, go and listen, go and read all the studies that she's talked about. But that's because I love a little wormhole. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's I'll go read about that. And then it's like two hours later and I'm supposed to be asleep. Um, <laughs> you know, There's none of that. There's absolutely none of that. She's like she's talking to you as somebody who's clearly knowledgeable and clearly knows what they're talking about, but also as a friend. Mm-hmm. And and so you you do just feel like you can pick it up. Like I I, re, I 
read it sort of every year. It's only been out for a few years, but it's like just before this, I was like, oh, I read it quite recently, but I'll pick it up and flick through to some of the things that I remember resonating with me. And you can do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, I started reading this after my daughter was born, a year after she was born. So I sort of didn't super delve into the bits about having a newborn and things like that. It went straight to the sort of chapters that were a bit more relevant to me. And so you can do that as well. It's not it's not complex in terms of you can't read chapter nine if you haven't read chapter four. I mean, obviously, it's great if you do read them all, but you don't have to. And she's got the same messaging throughout, which is all about repair. Like, you know, you're going to do things wrong. If you do it wrong, it's okay. Don't worry. But you can repair it. That's the theme. You can repair these things. You can work a little bit harder to make a better connection with your child and so you know that theme's going to run throughout as well so you again you like I don't know where the word bamboozled come from but so you just don't feel bamboozled you just yeah. feel you know yeah like it's just a reassuring safe place where it's got the same consistent message throughout yeah so you said that um you were trying to think about some of those things that resonated with you I kind of I'd like to give our listeners a little bit of a, a of a flavor of actually what she's talking about like some of the things she's some of those big like some of those topics some of those things she's like telling like telling the reader um so what were some of those things that resonated with you some things that really resonated with me are how I like to parent in general but she's obviously put it into better words um and also helped break down why you want to parent in that way or why you're feeling in a particular way so one of the things that she talks about is Allow your children to have feelings, which is something that my husband and I are very, very big on. You know, I can't bear it when someone tells her she's fake crying because oh, she's God. not. Well, I'm sure you've heard people say, I'm sure people told that, said that to you when you were a child, because children cry as a communication tool. It's not fake. They may not be crying because they're in a lot of pain or anything, but they're crying because they cannot put into words what is happening to them. So it could be something from as little as another child's taking the toy. Well, we as grown-ups would be like, well, why would you cry about that? Just go and play another toy. But a child can't do that. They, you know, they one, they can't do those words, but two, they can't get through that thought process because they're so immediate, aren't they? Yeah. So it's about allowing children to feel their feelings. When I see another parent out and a child is crying or having a tantrum, and if somebody else is there tutting away, I'll be like, <laughs> you can jog on. Like, first of all, this parent is trying their damn hardest. Like, like, please just give that parent a break. Yeah. But also, like, children cry. I'm a I'm 40 years old. I cry. Yeah. Like, I'm allowed to. Well, actually, like half of the time you're not. And you should be allowed to. Like, we're all human beings. And so it's that sort of thing she talks she talks about it's like for you your child is allowed to feel emotions as the as the safe person in their life as their adult as their parent or guardian or you know whatever you are to a child you need to be their container so they need to know that you are a safe person who they can come to and you will name that feeling for them you will validate it and you will keep that safe. You will be their container. So when they're having an extreme emotion, 
you're not you're not having an extreme emotion back to them, which is incredibly hard, by the way. And we'll talk about one of the reasons I revisit this book. It's incredibly hard to do, but you need to you need to let them feel it. You need to validate it, name it, and be their safe space. And I'll be honest, I want that as an adult. Yes. And we have stronger control of our emotions. And it's it's just oh, about yeah. treating children with respect. Now I I have wonderful parents and I don't like to say anything bad about them, obviously, but all parents screw up their kids. I'm going to screw up my kid. And that's okay because my job is to provide her with the tools that when I screw her up, she can, you know, <laughs> she can grow up to be a, a, a generally healthy well-being type person, you know, or she can go to therapy and, and I'll be like, yep, yeah, I did that. Sorry. Like, it's fine. We all screw up our kids. But I remember as a child, and I don't know if it's a generational thing, but a lot of my parents, a lot of my friends that are my age had parents that did the same thing, is my feelings weren't validated. It was stop crying about that. You don't need to cry about that. Oh, why are you so happy? Why are you loud? Why are you shouting so much? You know, and it's not because our parents weren't, didn't care about us or didn't love about, love us, but it's usually how they were raised, that one of their parents would be like, why are you being so over the top? Why are you showing so much emotion? And just those simple things have such a knock-on effect in adulthood. And this is another main thing. But this is why the book absolutely blew me away when I read it, because there were so many things that I of behaviours I have in adulthood that came from when I was a child. And this helped me identify them. I was already lucky because I'd already done a lot of that work in a lot of therapy that I had done. But this book helped me re-explore that. It's things like, I never really try, I've only in like the last few years, five years or so, started trying new things. And the reason I never did is because as as a kid, I was told I wouldn't be any good at it. Oh, really? And so it's like, so just throughout all of adulthood, I was like, oh, well, I'm, I won't try and play the ukulele. I won't try and start drawing again, even though I love doing it, because I won't be very good at it. All of those sort of things. And it's, you know, my parents would be incredibly upset to hear that. But it's also true mm. that that's what they said to me. Yeah. You know, I used to want to be an astronaut. I used to want to be a vet. I used to want to be a filmmaker. And I was just told, well, you, you, you won't like being a vet because you have to get dirty you 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 know you're not good enough at science to be an astronaut and parents aren't doing that to put their kids down a lot of the time I think parents are doing that to manage expect try to try and manage expectations of their kids right they're not doing it most parents don't do things to hurt their children but they don't understand how that can have such a big effect and that's one one of the things that this book talks about it really puts into words some of the things I've, I experienced as a child and carried into adulthood and to read that you know god I can't remember what age I would have been oh, I can't remember when I had it how old am I uh I guess 38 39 I was trying to do some maths and now I'm just like <laughs> the numbers um <laughs> one of the things that correctly I'm not good at is maths um <laughs> uh you know is it's a revelation and it's not easy to read and to examine your own behaviors and how they've come from your parents and then try and break those behaviors so you don't Mm -hmm. pass them on to your own children that's difficult 
and that takes work but this book will support you in that so that was actually going to be one of my questions because I didn't um I did not read this book <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I say that because in every episode that I am recording I this like I'm, I'm telling people that I'm going to try and read these books and then you know, and and then this book comes up and I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't think I should read this yet. Like maybe if I decide to have a baby, I'll read it. Um, so I haven't read this book, but I did like try and look into it. I like um, try to look at like the intro and stuff. And just when I was looking at it, I was like, I was like, okay, so if I was pregnant and I picked up this book and it, and it, I wonder how I would feel when the book was asking me to be incredibly self-reflective and to examine my own past and my own triggers and possible trauma, um, you know, to, to, to try and remember the way that I was raised and, and figure out some of my own behaviors. And that, that takes a lot of work, like self-reflection is like you said it's it's hard especially when you are examining maybe some of the not so nice bits of your of your childhood or your upbringing or your past um and so I, I mean I was gonna ask I, I can just imagine people like people reading this to be in quite a vulnerable place already and so um I was gonna ask you but you've or you've already spoken about it but but like just how it just just how that felt because this I, I can imagine people pick up this book like okay I need some advice I need someone to help me because I've got a baby or I'm having a baby like I just need some help um and all of a sudden you're being asked to like self-reflect so you're like oh oh like this book is about is as much about me as it is about the child and like you said that's good but that can also be I can I can imagine that can also be quite hard and quite like um may overwhelming maybe you know so I mean yeah so how did it feel for you and I wonder I'm just I'm just wondering if for others that might be a bit like okay maybe today I need to just put this book down and have a think and then maybe pick it back up but you did say it was a very put down pick up kind of easy book like that I mean I cried a lot when reading this book and not necessarily for bad reasons but because it really allowed me to put things I couldn't put a name on things I couldn't name or understand things I couldn't name. There's also a lot of joy in this book through doing those exercises, through healing yourself. A lot of this book is about healing, mm-hmm. um, understanding and healing, thinking about how you want to connect with your child. And parenting is really flipping hard. <laughs> Like, it's so hard. It's wonderful and it's hard. And this book acknowledges that, it supports you in that, but it also helps you find the happiness in that. So it might feel really hard, but I can tell you, for me, like, and especially when I go back to it, it's so great to have my feelings be validated, even if my actions aren't the best and not feel judged by it, yeah and also I don't want to say be told 
how to repair it or fix it. And fix it is not the right term at all. I'm so sorry. Philippa Perry, I'd absolutely love it if you listen to this. I would cry if you listen to this out of happiness because I just think you are a wonderful human being and you're so clever and you're doing so much for an amazing person. But I'm so sorry for butchering all of your work, which I know is what I'm doing here. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, um, you know, and I and that's why I think I think I don't think you're wrong in saying that it the self-reflection is quite difficult I don't think you're wrong in that but it's also positive mm-hmm. it's you do not and if you do read this book and feel bad I'm I'm terribly sorry I know that'd be the last thing anybody who's had any engagement with this book would want you to feel but if you feel if you read this book and feel bad I'm not sure you're doing it right <laughs> say that with love in my heart because it's not it's not there to do that it really isn't there to make you feel like shit it Mm -hmm. really isn't and actually if you're reading this and feeling like shit like sometimes I have I have read it and gone feel like shit because I did that you know or that's the way I'm feeling for me and again I am well equipped for this because I have had a lot of therapy it has then allowed me to explore that and maybe still feel like shit but also still feel positive afterwards you know and and I and honestly there are people who will not like this book and I'm totally that I'm totally fine with that but for me this book has been life-changing it really has been life-changing in the best way Mm. even with difficult feelings that it's worth pushing through that but if you are in week six with your newborn and you are feeling completely overwhelmed I really think this book will help also put it down yeah because you don't have to read stuff like this if you don't want to if you're in the depths if you're listening to me talk and you're like this sounds amazing and I'm feeling terrible so I'm going to read this book and then you read it and it makes you feel like shit just put it down pick it up when you feel better pick up when you feel more resilient pick up when you've got more time for yourself just don't read it yeah like with anything but do reach out to other people because we will be there for you yeah absolutely same applies to any self-help book just yeah yeah (laughs) even the best ones (laughs) yeah exactly um so before we delve more deeply into sort of exactly how it's sort of changed your life and um the impact that it had on you I do want to touch on the joy because so I was like skimming the little amazon peak (laughs) that's the only part of this book that I've read is that little bit like great research yeah I did a great research very well prepared I enjoyed um um, death in the king's horse when you like I read about 30 pages (laughs) I read four pages of that I was like Christo I love you I couldn't read that (laughs) so sorry it was so you're making me read a play before bed and it was literally like yeah so so I'm doing my best. <laughs> so um, I want to talk about the joy. I'm glad you've mentioned the joy because I was like skimming through and I know that one of your chapters was on play. So when we first met, you uh, were you know, talking about having a baby and then you started showing some of the pictures of these insanely awesome cardboard creations. Like I've never seen anything as 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 uh, I don't know it's just like 
just she, Rhea had just like picked up all these boxes and made like some like like a castle and there was little MJ like peeking at her she's like yeah this is the time I made like a castle out of a cardboard and like sometimes I made this out of a cardboard and I was like that sounds awesome like that's such a nice little thing to do for your child and it just it reminded me of when I was a kid and my mum would make homemade play-doh and then like just so I could like sit there and we'd like play and I was raised with a lot of like there was a lot of play involved like there was a lot of imagination because my mum's very creative I remember coming home and be like oh mum I've got to do this like this like school assignment I think I was like seven and I was like I've got to it's about plastic and and making something out of plastic and she was like all right cool she just got a bunch of plastic straws taped them together and made a house amazing and I was like oh my I'm god for like, that. yeah it best just... I work ever I'd be like I'd be like get out of the way kids this is me <laughs> I'll be doing all your homework a class of 30 kids and they're like oh what if this looks suspiciously like it was done by an adult yes one adult me <laughs> it really I was like, oh my god, and I won! I won the little thing. Yeah, Uh, I think your mum won actually. Yeah, she did win. Um, But it just, it just, and and also, one of my one of my close friends is a teacher, and she is always talking about play, always, always, always talking about play. So I just wanted to maybe touch on that, or just generally, what's what you felt some of the joyful bits of this book were. Well, first of all, talking about play, play is hard. Play is really hard, especially when you've got a kid who likes to do the same thing over and over and over again. <laughs> and you are thinking about, I've got five loads of washing to do. <laughs> washing up hasn't been done. I've got this like 10 million life admin things to do. Oh, that thing that I did at work five weeks ago, I forgot about. I really should re- reply to that email. I better send a note to myself. Oh, you know what? I really need a break. I'm going to go and look at social media. Play is hard because you've got like a million other things going on. Um, and... I do like play, but also sometimes pretending to what some random stuff we've been playing. I don't know, like having to play the same random game over and over again. It's really boring. It's really dull, <laughs> and it doesn't come to everyone naturally. There are certain types of play that I'm like down on the floor, getting involved in it, building stuff, creating stuff. I'm there, you know, like just yesterday or the day before like we made some plaster paris cupcake magnets and i'm there painting them and then trying to not get annoyed when my kid then goes oh i'm just gonna add this brown splodge on it and i'm like fine it's fine i spent 20 minutes decorating the plaster paris cupcake and absolutely fine with what's just happened (laughs) Uh, and of course she's incredibly proud of herself she's like look it's so good my mum yeah (laughs) <laughs> like I layered the paint and the different color. It's like beautiful thing. Like lo- I love you. Oh, wonderful. So this Thank is you the joy. That. Yeah, that's just, the joy. Yeah, this <laughs> is the joy. Um, slightly off topic. Um, so you know, play is difficult, and so I'm there for you if you find it difficult. There are some things as a parent or a guardian you will excel at, and you will be amazing at. There are other things that you won't. But one of the things about play. And it is hard to take in and you may not like it. I don't like it whenever I read this little bit in the book is put your phone down and just go and have a play. And that's really hard. I do not like this bit of advice in the book at all. (laughs) Do not like it. Uh, You're not judged for it, but still do not like it. 
and I yeah. get to that bit in the book every time and I go mm, I think I deserve a bit of my phone time actually with all of the stuff I have to put up in my life <laughs> but if you then do feel a little bit guilty afterwards and you go and play there is true joy in it and there's also this great thing that she talks about play with play with is if you establish that again I'm butchering this I'm so sorry if you establish that you're interested to start with and you're there and you're interacting with your kid and I've seen this happen with mine they will then start to go off and play by themselves and you can retreat a little bit and they start gaining that independence so so say my daughter wants to have a tea party by the way tea parties are awesome so I'm always tea parties a tea party are awesome honestly when she gets bored of it I'm like hold on we're still playing tea party oh my gosh my mom's <laughs> like thinking, come on like fruit kebabs with marshmallows <laughs> tea parties are the best yeah she's like i want to go play something else mummy and i'm like do you or shall we carry on with the tea party because <laughs> i'm really into this um but like so say for example we're sitting down to do a tea party and she, and i'm having to be involved in everything i'm having to eat all the pretend food and drink all the things and all of this sort of stuff and you're doing that for for like 10 minutes or whatever she will then start to go off and do something else by herself. Like she'll bring a teddy or another toy in and they'll join the tea party. And so she's not interacting with me as much. And her imagination's growing a bit. And she's thinking of new things. And I'll, she's going to make some rainbow bubble tea now. So she like picks up things and pretends that, look, my kid has bubble tea. I know I'm ridiculous. Um, <laughs> oh, that's, I mean, that's adorable know. there. But yeah, carry on. Uh, choose the fruit ones. Don't give them the caffeine ones. Um, pro tip, uh, <laughs> you know, and and you can then start taking a step back, and you'll see them playing by themselves, playing with their toys, and then you'll see how that is fruitful later on. That you'll be out at like soft play, awesome. Um, parents here will know <laughs> soft play the best. Um, and if your kids like my kid, they want you to play with them for soft play all the time. You're like, oh, I can't. First of all, I'm a fat forty year old. I really can't climb to the top of soft play and go down the slide this many times. It's really hard to do that. Um, so your kid will get you to come along with them, and then and the same thing happens. You can start taking a step back, and then you'll see they'll start interacting with other children. So just by giving them this bit of attention to start with, which is hard. This is not easy. Like, I'm not judging any parent for this. Christ, if you see a parent in at the park and they're on their phone looking at social media, they're doing that for a reason. They need a freaking break. Do not judge them. Again, if, you, if anybody's judging you for that, send them to me. I'll kick them, um, <laughs> actually, or whatever. But, like, you, but you, you know, it's about doing these things, starts establishing um more confidence in them more independence in them it's about this initial sense of security that then lets them go off and experience the world themselves and I was quite a clingy kid like I was the youngest of three I was definitely very close to my mum still am like very very clingy and like I, I can't remember that time particularly well but I definitely think, you know, my mum had three kids, had a lot of other stuff going on in her life, that if I was taken to play group, it was off you go, go and play with other kids. And my experience as a play group is a lot of crying. That's like what I remember because I didn't feel like I had friends or I felt quite lonely or I felt quite picked on or whatever. 
And so I can look back and then go, actually, it would be nice if my mum had just like spent five, 10 minutes playing with me, got me comfortable. And then I would have had more confidence to go out with the other kids. So, you know, so for me, like that sort of thing's very personal. And that's why play is really important to me. But also play is just really fun. Like, uh, like the good play, the play that you like is really fun. <laughs> I really had, I was like, play's really fun. Let's be honest. Not a bit. <laughs> Let's carry um, on that. Yeah, yeah. And and but it's so it's great that, you know, again, I've read this book and I've gone, why are there certain types of play that I don't like? Why am I actually quite impatient when I'm somewhere at soft play and she's not going out to play by herself? That I'm stuck having to go around with her. Now there are sometimes I love soft play, don't get me wrong, when it's not busy and you your kid are just hanging out and like swinging along things and jumping into ball pools it's awesome trampoline parks are amazing by the way although very difficult after you've had a child um do those pelvic floor muscle exercises but you know i i have to look you know this but this book in particular is like why is this triggering to you why are you annoyed why are you frustrated at having to go and play with your child now it's perfectly acceptable that you're annoyed and frustrated because you were really busy and you're really tired and you've had no sleep and you've got a million other things going on that's okay but that's not your child's fault so what can you do to instill a bit of independence a bit of confidence in your child and for me I look back and go oh I'm you know I'm a martyr as well I'll be like oh there's so many things to do so many billions of things to do so it allows me to break down that. Why do I feel like that all the time? And why is all this other stuff more important than my kid? But also I can go, why, why do I find this triggering? And for me, it's because as a kid, I was just forced to go off and play and I had to get on with it. Yeah. So why shouldn't my kid have to do that? And I don't want my kid to feel like that. I want my kid to feel valued and yeah. that I want to spend time with them you know and yeah. so it's really good for that sort of thing so I've got play got a bit serious then sorry but you no. know <laughs> this therapy session <laughs> no, but that that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense because that's what you're doing through everything like I mean I'm I'm gonna be I'm super interested to know how this all plays out when you get to the teenager stage. <laughs> Why am I being triggered every single day? I think um, you'll find I was a perfect teenager. I mean it it all makes a lot of logical sense. And usually when something is very logical, it's extremely hard to put in into into practice, but also extremely rewarding. Like this sounds very very rewarding like so it sounds like a great book um I guess what I what I would like to really get to the crux of is sort of so so you you have a one-year-old ish and this book comes out and you buy it and you start reading it and and you've talked a lot about that kind of feeling validated like all of a sudden like all those feelings that you'd had they're validated you're doing your self-reflection I, I, I'm I'm give us a little bit more about sort of that that initial impact that it had on you like essentially why have you chosen this book to talk about like what was that what was that initial impact so that initial impact for me is and I think I said this just now is I found this book life-changing it in terms of even if I hadn't had a child 
it really spoke to me about some of my behaviors and how I act in things and and that was kind of mind-blowing you know I'm not a big self-help book person Mm. but when I had a child when I was pregnant we bought a lot of books about parenting and a lot of them are just telling you what to do they're not about self-reflection they're not therapy and this book was basically therapy for me it was okay this is like it's actually an enjoyable read this is what I'm about to say probably make it sound like it's not enjoyable but it really is I really find this book an enjoyable read but it was very eye-opening for me and being critical of my parents and how I was raised was still fairly new I'd only started having therapy based around that maybe about two years before I got pregnant because I had a mental health breakdown there was a lot going on and I I desperately needed therapy like I would be like walking around just crying just like in the streets and stuff it wasn't great um that door had started to be opened in therapy but you know you only get like 20 sessions and then you have to go and find if you're doing it on the NHS and you have to find a private therapist and all of that sort of stuff. So we had cracked a lot, but I hadn't revisited it in the two years because the therapy I had when I was pregnant was very much about pregnancy, anxiety and depression. So I was very focused on that. So reading this book, I went into it expecting, I really like Philippa Perry. There's a lot of parenting books out there. I don't really like them. I'm not looking for instructions on how to do things. I'm looking for a way to enhance my relationship with my child. And this felt like that. So I didn't crack open it the spine <laughs> expecting to have therapy. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, okay, this book is now making me cry because I'm revisiting <laughs> some uncomfortable feelings. And I wasn't expecting that. Um, so I think that's why it had such an impact on me because I didn't expect that. Yeah. And I didn't expect it to make me face some uncomfortable things or, you know, be critical of how I was raised, but I didn't expect it to bring me joy in the way it does either. Like I just sort of expected it to be a nice read about making some cool connections with my kid, but I didn't expect it to make me change my behavior in such a way that it made our relationship better because I kind of took it with a pinch of salt if I'm being like really honest and I'm glad it wasn't a pinch of salt it was like a whole bucket full there was a sea a sea full of salt oh my gosh (laughs) that doesn't make any sense but I'm saying it now um (laughs) you know it's and that's why it's so special for me. I know one of your quest- questions about revisiting it. And if you're happy for me to, I'll I'll go back into yeah. why I revisit this book. So Yes, absolutely. Please do. So I try to read it sort of every year or so. Um, in fact, it's one of those things that, funny enough, my other half will always go, that Philip Perry book, we need to get it. And I go, we've got it, we've got it. <laughs> like, now I'm going to read it because, like, you've reminded me of it and I'm going to read it. So there'll be times like that where I start, where I'll be like, oh, yeah, you've reminded me of it. Actually, it'll be really good to read just to sort of, you know, see see how I'm doing with it. See if I still feel good about it and if, see if it's still got like ideas of how I can. Yeah, yeah, thank you because I can think of the words. <laughs> but also 
being a parent is really difficult and we've already talked about some of your child's behavior can be really triggering and you can feel it really overwhelmed as a parent and your child will do things at different stages you know like I hate that there's like the terrible twos and the three majors and things like that that people say because children don't work like that they're not they don't do all the same things at the same time there will be behaviours that your ch- child is doing and you feel really overwhelmed with. Like we, uh, I mean, obviously I don't want to do too, go into too much detail because it's her privacy, but say tantrums, we had some issues with tantrums, like really out of character, unpleasant tantrums. And I found them incredibly triggering. I would end up in tears. I would end up angry, storming off, like really angry about having a child. And I don't feel this, but at times I would go, I hate her. I hate my child. And that is a horrible thing to feel and to think. It's absolutely like I can feel myself getting quite emotional about it now. It's absolutely devastating to feel like that about your child. Because you don't. You love them to the bloody ends of the earth. And I said this before, you burn down the whole world for them. I'm going to give her so many complexes because if like anybody is bullying her at school or whatever, or if any teacher is like being nice to her, I'm going to be down on that school. I'll be like kicking ass all over the place. She's <laughs> going to hate me. She's oh, going to yeah. hate me so much. And like, I don't care because I'm protecting you. Um, the book would, I think, be very unhappy about that. <laughs> but I don't care. It's a flaw of my personality and I'm going to embrace it. You know, But feeling that way about your own child is really difficult. And trying to work through those feelings and understand why why you feel that way is really difficult. And two things can be true in the same space. You can love your child more than anything, but you can also hate being a parent. And you can also hate them when they're being a little shit. Like Mm. when they're being truly awful to you, you can feel that. And you can pick up this book and it'll go, that feeling's not great, but it's okay. Because people feel like that. And it's okay, but here's how you can move on from it. And that's great. Like it's when you feel completely overwhelmed and you feel completely lost. And this is my personal experience with this book. Other people may not feel like that. But for me, I can pick it up and I can get the initial, okay, I I feel understood. I feel heard, which is weird because it's a book because it's not a two-way conversation. (laughs) But, you know, I can feel heard but I don't have to feel helpless. I don't, when I read this book, I don't feel helpless. And I can, I feel like I can identify what's triggering me. I can identify what's triggering my child and we can fix it and we can repair, repair, repair is the word and we can repair it. And that, when you're, when you're lost in the darkness, (laughs) I'm not going to do a last of us quote. (laughs) When you're lost in the darkness, that is a lot. That means a lot. That is your light. And I, I think that so many people do learn that through therapy and good therapy. But sometimes for me, I can't take a step back and remember that. I can't remember all that work that I did in therapy. So to have it written down and to be able to read it and feel seen and understood is great. And then it, and the book will literally say to you, and I mean, I do this all, all the time anyway, because 
I was never apologised to as a kid. I'm still not really apologised to as an adult for my parents. And it's a bit of a thing of mine. So I'm very much like, I apologise when I've done something wrong. Yeah. Um, to to most people, unless you don't deserve it, but especially to my kid. And it's a bit cool. It should be like, just apologise to your kid. You're like, oh, okay, yes. yes. Yeah. And it's like, sometimes you just re- need reminding. Sometimes This book sometimes feels to me like, Philippa Perry's just put her arm around me and gone, yeah, you shouldn't, you know, it's it's not great to think that thought and you probably shouldn't think it, but it's okay, people do. Now get off your butt and go and apologise to your kid. And that feels pretty awesome. Oh, that, I mean, that sounds, that sounds like something every parent needs to hear. Um, And actually that reminds me who do you think, like, the question that I usually ask, and it sounds so obvious in this conversation, is like, who do you think should read this book? Well, first of all, I will say, I do have a criticism of this book, which is that it does feel very, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Again, I'm saying this is a book that I love. It feels very Eurocentric, white, middle class focused. Now, I feel like she would probably disagree with that. And she is right because it can apply to everyone. But it does feel very, you know, I am in a privileged position to be able to read this book and to be able to take some of these things forward. I have a fantastic support network. Um, You know, we are a two-parent family. We, you know, all of, you know, we have one child, so it's a lot easier to put all of our focus into her and all of those sort of things. So... I do go into this book very aware of what it is, you know, and, and of the position I am in relation to the book. So I am aware of that because I know there'll be some people who aren't in such a secure position in life as me to be able to read this book and action some of the things in it. And that'll be due to multiple reasons. It'll be due to, you know, their their own situations in life, their own, you know, difficulties and all of those sort of things. So I say this fully in the knowledge I can do it in a very privileged position but I would also say this book is for everyone even if there are things that don't work for you that maybe make you feel upset or judged I think if you feel like that put that book down maybe pick it back up when you're in a better space and read it then if you're still not into it, totally fine. Not every book has to be for you. But I would also say for non-parents, like readers, like genuinely, genuinely, like not for the parenting stuff, but for the examining your own childhood and the way you react to things in an adult life. For me, that is still one of the biggest things. And that makes me a better parent. Yeah. Being able to look back at those things, what triggers me, what upsets me what I find difficult to deal with, what I've not dealt with before. Like, it's it's so helpful in those terms. So, yeah, kind of just like, if you want to do some thinking <laughs> about who you are as a person and how you got there, but also about parenthood, this is the book for you. Um, and I think when you, I think this is, I wish I'd had this book when I was pregnant. There's there's a thing in it, and I've written it down. I've probably again like completely butchered it. I should have just like written it down properly. But it's um 
it's believing that pregnancy, childbirth and parenting can be optimised puts us in danger of bringing into the world an object to be perfected rather than a person to relate to. And whenever I read that, I find that really powerful. Not just about my own child, but everyone. Yeah. Like the assumption that everybody should be perfect or should be what our expectations of are them. Yeah, it's not that's not what being a human is. No, being a human is about being inherently flawed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? And I and so I whenever I read that, I find it really powerful both in my parenting but also in all my other relationships in my work relationships in my friendships in my, my romantic relationships in my non-romantic but love relationships you know it's like it is something that sticks into my head that we're all people who have been born and raised and we are adults we are grown-ups or not like you know teenagers whatever and we don't we're not objects we're not perfect objects and we don't need to be perfect objects. And I just think that's really fantastic to think about and to think about that in your interactions with other people. Wow. I mean, I, my list of books to get and read, it just keeps getting longer. I mean, so does mine. It's awful. <laughs> like, I'm never going to get through it. No, I'm such a slow reader. <sighs> I'm just never going to get through all of these books. But thank you. It I signed sounds... up to Blimmin, like Amazon Unlimited. And I was like, yeah, I'll do the free trial and then it'll be totally worth the monthly cost. And I'm <laughs> never going to read anything. It's be like a tenner out of my account every single month. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to read something next month. I'll read something next month. Totally worth it. No, I'm also signed up to the library. I get books out and I just have to renew them all the time because I'm like, didn't read it, renew it, renew it, renew it. A few months <laughs> later, I just have to take it back. I've still not read it. What did I read this month? Oh, I picked up Philippa Perry like yeah. three times <laughs> I'm sure the library is like, oh, it's that woman again, just <laughs> checking the same book out. <laughs> yep. Oh, gosh. No, this book sounds incredible. Thank you so much for, for spending your Monday evening <laughs> chatting to me about this incredible sounding book. Well, um, thank you. Before and, I like, you know. and, sorry, yeah. And like, I just, I do want to say this book has really changed me, but it's okay if it hasn't changed you. And it's okay if this is as a parent that you're reading and this book isn't for you. You are still valid. You are just doing the best that you can. Go read something else that brings you joy. Go do something else that brings you joy. Like, honestly, just just do something that brings you joy, please. Parenting's hard. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be... Let's put that on T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. It's also amazing. And my kid is the best. Better than all of your kids. Ha <laughs> ha. We'll put that on the back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, I absolutely love chatting to you about parent parenting. I just, I could listen to you chat about parenting all day. Thanks. Um, I think I mostly just repeated myself, but I think that's fine. Yeah. That's the message for you all. Like, it was absolutely wonderful. They get to four years old. They don't still don't sleep through the night and your brain's just scrambled eggs. Hey, eggs, Jess. I didn't even do that on purpose. Yes, there we go. Careful. <laughs> we don't want to give that that nickname away. Before the sentence <laughs> out, not until we've had a chance to put it on a t-shirt or a mug. Stickers, oh, they are stickers. stickers. Okay, so before I let you go, um, and it, this is a, this is a, a quite a funny question because you are the producer of this podcast. Um, <laughs> where can our lovely listeners find you? Where can you find me? Well, obviously at Femon. Come and see us there. We 
really want to hear more from you all. We want you to talk to us and engage with us, either come on shows or send us emails or leave comments on our social media. I started Femon because I was already doing a show called Femon Film as part of the Comics in Motion Network, and I absolutely loved it, but I wanted to do more. I didn't know how to get to do more. And I was just stuck. I was like, I love doing this show, but there's more voices that I want. I keep on meeting all these amazing women specifically who I want to do something with. And I can't keep on forcing them to come on my show and talk to me about films. But I was also like freaking run down. Like I'd had a tough year. We've all had a tough couple of years, right? And I was like, I need to do something creative with these women. I can't do it by myself. And I felt so vulnerable when like I emailed you all I did it late at night because I was like, I can do it. And then just put my phone down and then I could go to sleep and not think about it. Um, Because it's hard. It's hard to be vulnerable, right? And even with people that you trust and love, like I love you all so much. I always cry whenever I talk about the collective because I think you're all amazing. Um, And then you were all so excited to be a part of it. You just got what I was trying to do. I believe I said, I can't believe I'm sharing this on the podcast, (laughs) but I believe I got so excited that I emailed this group of women, mostly who I'd never met before, didn't know anyone apart from you. And I said, I'm so excited. This is really fluffing my tail feathers. And I sent the email and I was like, well, that's it. I am never going to be part of this group because I just blew my chance. But what was amazing is they all went, this is the best thing ever. This is they like the best thing. Yeah, they like, even, this is so good. They not even... They, they didn't even blink. They were just like, yeah, cool, part of, part of our group. This is why we're a nice group. <laughs> Let's put that on a t-shirt Let's too. put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> but, but this is the thing. What is important to us, and we've all got the same ethos, is women's voices, things through, through a female gaze, and providing a platform for women. And I know there are others there, but there are none like this. And that's why it's so, so special. And that's why we need you, listeners. And men, you can be involved as well, but everything's got to be from the female gaze, you know, and you've got to be quiet and listen to us and learn and be an ally, but a proper ally. And, you know, that's why we need you to engage with us and we need you to talk to us, not just the rating of the podcast which would be awesome and stuff like that but come on be guests talk to us in our comments send us emails have conversations with us we we want to have these conversations we want to have it with you and we want to have it with people who are different from us yeah you know we want to have it with everybody so I just and that's what I want it to be I want it to be like this most amazing safe space and you are all safe here everyone is safe here I mean unless you're a bad person <laughs> but um not safe but the good people <laughs> you know this is a safe space and we want to make it a safe space for you so please please come and engage with us Femon you, you're listening to this you know it's on the Femon network so come and engage with us all there but if you want to come and engage with me directly if you want to talk about anything parenting Obviously, I'm clearly super cool. 
clean super cool. I don't know where I was going with that. I was gonna say I'm I'm, I'm clearly so very cool. cool. Stop. Well I was gonna say I'm clearly very I'm clearly very cool with talking about this stuff, but I just, just ended up saying <laughs> myself was super cool. Um you know I you know again I am a safe space for this. I will never ever judge you on any of that. So come and talk to me about that. Come and talk to you about film, TV, anything geeky. Just just join us. Yeah and you can find it at Rhea Carrigan. Oh yeah thanks <laughs> I'm so rubbish at these things. You think I've been Everything doing this? Everything you said was for like perfect. three years. I just wanted to close that loop. About three years I've been doing this. You'd never guess. I can't <laughs> do an outro. I can't do a synopsis of something, and I cannot do an outro. It took me an hour to write two social media posts <laughs> today for this podcast. An hour. It's okay. We're doing our best. Okay, so I'm gonna put. <laughs> All of our all of our handles, all of the fun bits, those really important links and stuff in the show notes. I'm so I love saying show notes. It makes me feel like I've got my shit together. <laughs> show notes. And um, uh, and and how quickly do you get those show notes to me, Jess? So so slowly. <laughs> to the point where I have forgotten what the conversation was about and I sit there staring into space for 45 minutes. I remember. It's the best thing about being a producer. I can do all my own stuff last minute. Yay. Nobody judges me apart from myself. <laughs> Rhea's very kind when she says, Hi, how are you? How's your day? Please can you send me this thing? Thank you. Okay. I basically have to send myself emails doing that, being like, You're great, Rhea, and I know you're really busy, but <laughs> this is being published in about an hour. You really need to write the show notes. And I'm like, Yeah, I'll just send that to an email to myself as a reminder. And then it publishes without any show notes. And I'm like, shit, get great. <laughs> oh, thank you True so story. Much. Thanks so much, mate, for for chatting to me on this wonderful podcast about this awesome book. I've so loved it. Thank you very much. Thank you for Lit for Life. It's amazing. And I called it for Lit life. for Life. Lit yeah. for Life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you mm-hmm. or do you do you call it Clip for Life? I do call it Clip for Life. Clip for Life. Quite a lot. And again, I mean, we have got we have got t-shirt slogans coming out. Clip for life. So this is this is a running theme thing. So I call this clip for life all the time. And the first time I did it, I did not do it on purpose. But now I can't stop doing it. So there is a TV show called like Mickey's Fun House and Clubhouse. I can't remember which one. Um, I think it's Fun House. And there's a song in it in like the middle of the TV episode to get kids up to like dance and stuff. And it's called Stretch Break. Now, my child misheard it as X-ray, because kids mishear hear things all the time. By the way, yeah. it's like my favourite thing. I wish we could have a book of that. I don't know why I don't write them down. But that means in my head, I now call it sex break. <laughs> so it comes on and she'll be singing it and I'll be singing sex break. So like my four-year-old. I'm, and she's yeah. not picked up on it. She's not picked up on it because she's like, clearly my mum's off talking about something random. just like singing to herself. But so like, it's just a long history of clip for life, sex break. Um, you know. We're getting a, <laughs> we're getting a cute little window into yep. the brain of Rhea Carrigan. Yes. Hey, the, the clitoris is important, so. That is a whole nother episode. As are sex breaks. That is a whole, oh yeah, two. That is two whole other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, lovely. Thank you very much for having me on your wonderful show.